Good morning, church. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. We have some visitors today, and um, we're just delighted that you've chosen Western Hills to be a part of today and worship with us today. It's great, great to have you. A lot of young people back here, thankful for that as well, and we pray that you come back again and be blessed. Uh, have Blaine. Blaine, would you come up here real quick? I want to. Blaine uh, accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior on Wednesday, and I baptized. <laughs> you know, Kyle and his uh, lovely bride, uh, Lindsay, and their daughter, Lauren, um, have um, graciously come down and uh, using their talents to serve us here, and we're thankful for that. We're blessed by that, and we know that's a God thing, and so I thank you. Um, it's also a privilege to be able to speak to their children and them as well, all of you. And it's really awesome to be able to hear someone simply say, you know, God's really moved my heart and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And on Wednesday night, I was able to baptize him and was just uh, delighted. Had a lot of tears and a lot of joy, a lot of rejoicing. And we're so proud of this young man. So we always uh, give a Bible out with a name on it and a certificate so that you can keep on the wall somewhere or maybe in a a book somewhere for you, just as a reminder. I, I once again will tell you that this is God's Word. It is the truth. From cover to cover, book to book, chapter to chapter, verse to verse, word to word, it is the truth. It can truly change your life if you let it. Our prayer for all of us and for you is that you let it change your life. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for new life. Thank you for babies being born been to the hospital a few last couple of weeks and had and seen new birth and I'm so thankful for that but father we're thankful for the new birth in Jesus Christ that allows us to be called your children an inheritance that we have not because of who we are but whose we are which is yours father thank you so much for loving us that much For Blaine, Father, we just pray for him and his family. We pray for him. Raise him up to be a mighty warrior. One day he might stand before thousands of people and proclaim your word. If that's your your call on his life, Father, may he take hold of it and run with it, Father. And thank you so much for new life. Raise him up in a mighty way. In Jesus' holy name, let it be so. Amen and amen. God bless you. Give him another round of applause if you would, please. As most of you know, I'm, I'm going on vacation right after service, so we're going to make this short and sweet like me. But um, headed to St. Louis and then to Kentucky, I'll pick up some family members in St. Louis, picking my bride up, especially there. She's with the grandkids, and we're delighted that she was able to spend time there. But she, she texted me this morning, and she said, please rescue me. So <laughs> one of my youngest grandsons that lives there in St. Louis he has a little problem. He has a little problem of letting things go, such as perhaps a card game or a board game that we might be playing. And he doesn't, he doesn't like to lose. You know what I'm saying? Anybody out there just don't like to lose? I don't know where he got that from. I think it was from Donna's side of the family. But, <laughs> but, but we're trying to teach him, of course, and that's what we do as parents and grandparents. And so I tell him, I say, son, you're going to have to learn that that's part of life. Losing is part of life, and you just need to let it go. Well, he says, well, Papa, I don't like to lose. And I said, well, son, 
you need to understand that losing in life can actually help us grow up in life. To which he simply said, I don't want to grow up. I just want to win. (laughs) And that's the way we are. We want to win. But to grow up spiritually, we have to learn to let go. It's part of the process. It's a thing that we control. It's not a thing that God controls. It's a thing that we control. It's something that God says, here, what are you going to do with it? You decide. It's just the same as you accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here's what he's done for you. I've sent him to the world. He lived a perfect life. He took on your sins, the sins of the world, bore it on a cross, died on that cross, bled out so that we might have eternal life. And that's up to you if you accept that or you reject that. It's the same thing with letting go of things in your life. The scripture says in Job chapter 17, nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. I'm not sure of all of that verse, but I like to, one translation says, the righteous keep on moving forward. To move forward with the Lord, you have to learn to let go. What is it that you need to let go of is the question, I guess, today for all of us. Because undoubtedly there are things in your life, if not right now, it will come, or if it's already passed, it'll come again in your life that you're going to have to learn to let go. One of the things I talk about when I do marriage counseling is there will things come up in your life that you will have to learn to let go. Because if you collect those things that hurt you or harm you or you feel your feelings get hurt a little bit and you carry those with you, it carries an extra weight and your marriage will not be as successful as God wants it to be. So what is this hurt? What is this hurt? Well, it's tough to let go, isn't it? Sure it is. To let go. If you start at the top level of letting go, I suppose the hardest thing is to let go of those that we love that have passed away. A thing called death. It's tough. Most of us in this room have dealt with that in our lives. And we didn't like it. It's tough to let go. This past week we were um, at a funeral of the son-in-law of Brad's. And um, a 24-year-old passed away, and his daughter was there on the front row, the, the, the wife, and, and I was there with several others from the church here. It was done over First Baptist um, East, and I, I'm thankful as I sat there in the back, and I, I was thinking of this process, so young, so precious. And as, as I was there, I was thinking of of this minister, he, he mentioned, and I'm thankful that he mentioned that Jesus told us that he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you can rest assured that I'm going to come back and receive you unto myself so that you can be with me. This was way too young to go, but to be with God, ooh, can only imagine. But as I thought of this young lady, and that's where my heart was that day, It wasn't really on the things that were said. It was really on the heart of this young lady and how brave and courageous she was. It is. And I thought, somehow in this process, she's trying to let go. I thought of Roger Wood and his uh, mother's passing just a few weeks ago. And and 
having lost my own mother and held her when she passed and to, to let go. I thought of Mark and his beautiful girls and his son and losing our Talisa to let go. It's tough. It's not to let go of the memories and the love, but it's tough to let go of them not being here and being around so that you can call and you can say, Hey, Mom. Hey, sweetheart. When those bumps come in the middle of the night, who do you call out to? It's tough to let go, especially in death. But it's also tough to let go in something that you have worked hard for in your life. You worked hard. You worked at a business for the longest of time, even starting or maybe building something. And and you worked hard to accumulate things so that you could retire. And somehow it's taken away. Or uh, maybe it's the flood. Or maybe it's the tornado. Or maybe it's just something that just seems to wipe the whole account out just in an instant. And it seems to go away. And you're wondering, why? It's hard to let go. Many years ago, my sister worked for a company in Kentucky. She worked there for 27 years. And they sold the company out and moved it overseas. And they gave her a couple hundred dollars severance pay. 27 years. You know what I love about my sister? Not only is that she's just like me, but I love about my sister is that I never heard her once I'm sure she was disappointed. I'm sure she was frustrated. I'm sure she wondered, what in the world am I going to do next? I'm sure of all those things, but I never heard her once complain about it. Not once. I'm going to see her this week, probably on Wednesday this week, and uh, I'm going to give her a big hug, and I'm going to tell her how proud I am of her, of letting go. Letting go. It's tough to let go of things that you've worked for, and it seems like they just disappear. Could be your health as well. Job in Scripture is a guy that was dealing with letting it go, was he not? Sure, not only his own health, but his, the loss of all of his children. All ten children wiped out at one time. All the livestock, and he had much. Richest man there was around. Lost it all in an instant. All his barns, all his, his home, and all the things were wiped out. Tough. It's tough to let go. It's also tough to let go in something when someone hurts you deeply. Some of you have been through this, a thing called divorce. Some of them are more level than others, perhaps, but some of them are very ugly, aren't they? The one that sat across the table from you and looked into your eyes and said, I love you, looks across the table and says, I no longer love you, I love them. That's tough. They walk out on you and the family, perhaps. Relationships of a friend. Perhaps it's a friend that you've had for a long, long time. And for some way, reason why, you don't know, they just betrayed you. And all of a sudden, relationship was broken. You let go. It's tough to let go when someone has done you wrong and has hurt you deeply. When our son was in high school many years ago now, many, many years ago, he had done something he shouldn't have done. It was something that wasn't that big of a deal. It could have been handled fairly easily with some time. 
It could have been handled, but not on the other side. They didn't feel that way. And so the young man got not one, not two, but three friends, and all four of them beat my son badly. They broke out all of the windows in his car except for one and slashed all his tires. Oh, daddy. Daddy's not happy. Not only is my son hurt and all this damage is done and something within you, and it took a long time. I will tell you, it took a long time for my son and I both to work and let that go. Little did I know, about five years later or so, there was a family that came to me that doesn't go to church. Your family came to me, didn't know them, and they said, we'd like for you to be able to do our daughter's wedding, and I do that on occasion, different places, different times and things. Come to find out, this girl was the sister to that boy. I thought, yeah, I'll be glad to do that wedding. (laughs) Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for me to get revenge. (laughs) I had to let it go. I had a choice to make. I had to let it go. Since then, I've done two more weddings and a funeral for the family. Got to learn to let it go. So I knew God wanted me to teach on this one, uh, spiritual growth through letting it go, but I didn't know exactly what scripture he wanted me to go to because I could pick from probably multiple places. But he led me to a story about Abraham and Lot. And so it's found in the book of Genesis, and if you have your Bibles turned there or your electronic device, you can flip over there and look at it. And I would encourage you to read all of that because it's really, really pretty powerful stories there. Anyway, let's look at uh, Abraham. Abraham is uh, the, the father of faith. He had great faith in God. God says, Here's, I'm going to take, I'm going to send you somewhere. Abraham says, Where? God says, I'm not telling you. And Abraham went. A lot of faith. He becomes the father of faith. He's promised more children than the stars in the sky. And yet he's 90 some years old before he has his first. But yet he's the father of faith. And because he walks in faith, God blesses those that walk in faith. Did you hear that? God blesses those who walk in faith. Are you walking in faith is the question. Here's here's a general rule on that as well. If you walk in faith, there's a fallout of the blessing that you receive on others around you. Do you know that? That's why I tell people to find someone that is walking in faith and become close with them because there's a fallout of their blessing into your life. Oh, it happens. That's not to piggyback off someone else's, but how many blessings do you want is the question. You see, if you walk in faith, your faith will also produce blessing, and that blessing is for others. You become generous, do you not? If you've given much, much is required. God gives more than we can give, amen? So when we walk by faith, God gives us so that we might be stingy? No, so that we might be blessings. See how it works? So find someone that walks in faith, stay with them, walk in faith yourself, and watch a double portion of blessings come in your life. Give me an amen, would you please? So in Genesis here, they have so much, they've accumulated so much, and their families have grown. They've got nieces and nephews and cousins and all this stuff, and all these flocks. Abraham does this wonderful thing. He stands Perhaps I see him on a rock or something, and he's standing out looking over this whole region, and he tells his nephew, Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herds and mine. It's not that we don't love each other. We'll still be close and all those things. But this, you know, sometimes family doesn't need to be too close. You know what I'm saying? 
There's a reason why you're supposed to cleave to the one that you've married and leave your mother and father. There's a reason for that. But we're, we're not going there. All right, here we go. So he goes on to say, is it not the whole land before you? Look at this. God, he's just saying, look how good God is. All of this is ours. I'll tell you what, Lot, you pick one, I'll take the other. If you go left, I'll go right. You go north, I'll go south. Whatever the case is, that's the case. Whatever. Verse number 10. Lot looked around and he saw the whole plain in the Jordan towards Zorah was well watered like the garden of the Lord. Lot's eyes go directly to the biggest and the most lush and the best of the best. That's the one I pick. Lot says, I mean, Abraham says, that's fine. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan, set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, which had plenty as well, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Stop. Now, you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, or you think, some don't, so I want to tell you that today. But what we want to do is we run, want to run too fast. I will tell you how you get into Sodom in your life. You want to know how? Is you pitch your tent toward it first. That's how it happens. It all seeps in. Oh, they're not going to affect me. I'm going to affect them. Oh, really? How many times you hear that? I will overpower them. So he pitches his tent toward the Sodom. And meaning that now I'm just going to trade with them a little bit. You know, I've got cattle, I've got this, I've got to have a place where I can go get my feed or, or, or these different things. This will be a good place. God will bless me. That'll be wonderful. Notice that. However, verse number 13 tells us something. Now, the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Listen, there are bad people in life, there are evil people in life, and there, there are evil, wicked people in life. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It specifically tells us here that these people were wicked in the eyes of the Lord, period. Pretty bad. So read chapter 14 all for yourself, but in chapter 14 it breaks down this. There's a bunch of kings, and all the kings in the spring, basically, they would run out to war. Why? Because they want more land. More land means more possessions, more people, more taxes, and all the other stuff. And so as they go out there and do that, the kings come in, or the group that comes in and attacks they also kidnap Lot and his whole entire family. So Abraham comes to the rescue. Along with God's great help, he goes in and he rescues Lot. Read the story. It's a beautiful story there. Now, fast forward into chapter 18. As we get to chapter 18, something else takes place. God's having a visit with Abraham. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and I'll see if they have done is the bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. This does not mean that God doesn't know everything that's going on because he does. What he is saying here for us or what I want you to see today is this. God's people always need to cry out to God for those that are walking against God. We need to cry out. We don't just need to say, oh, well, that's just the way they are. That's just those people. We need to cry out to God that these evil things are happening in our world today. Why? Because God listens to his people that cry out. This is proof of that. So, what happens in all of this process? 
So God tells Abraham basically this. Long story short, he tells Abraham, they're toast. I am going to flat annihilate them all. I've had it because they're wicked. So Abraham does something because he's a man of faith, and this is the thing. Notice this. This man of faith says, wait a minute, are you going to take out the righteous along with the unrighteous? Please, Lord, let me work on them. Let me, Listen, Lord, and they almost go into this, this long process, and they do, of saying, hey, Lord, if I can find 50, will you not destroy it? And God already knows what's going on. He knows the hearts of people. He already knows, but he says, yes, I'll do it for 50. Well, as soon as he says yes, Abraham must have thought in his spirit something like this. Man, I should have asked for 20. So he goes to 40, he goes to 30, he goes to 20, he goes to 15, and finally he gets down to 10 and says, hey, will you do it if I can find 10? And God says, you got it. Find me 10 righteous people and I won't toast them. If not, get out of Dodge. What is Abraham thinking at this time? Well, we know there's Lot. We know Lot's wife. We know he has two daughters that are engaged to two men. So I'm hoping Abraham might be thinking is I have six. I got six. So really all I need is... Somebody can do math. Okay, so all I need is four. So if I can, surely I can walk around and find four people that are righteous. Well, of course, in all of this stuff, it doesn't happen. So the angel comes. He comes to Lot's house in in chapter 19. He comes to Lot's house. Things are not pretty at all. In fact, it's pretty ugly. Notice there it says, The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gateway of the city. See what I'm saying? Did you know at this time that he was already on the city council? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Doing the trading, doing the trading, made him more wealthy, made him more wealthy, well known. Hey, Lot, hey, hey, hey. Prestige, I got all the money. Now all I need is what? Power. That's why I set into the gate. Don't think that it won't happen to you. So the angels say, hey, and so Lot, Lot already knows. He already knows how wicked the town is, but he's still with them, but not. He still loves God. He's trying to play defense both ways. See it? Now watch. So he's sitting there. He says to them, hey, come on into my house. The angels say, nah, we're just going to camp right out here around this courtyard. This is a good place. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to do that. Come on into my house. So he talks to the angels to come in. They go inside. What happens? It says in Scripture that these men of this town were so perverted, so perverted, that they came to Lot's house. All of them came to Lot's house with one thing in mind, one thing, to have sex with those two men that just went in Lot's house. Perversion in God's eyes has never and will never change. Period. So they go to Lot and they say, we want those two men that came in the house. He said, no, 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 please, please. They're they're men of God. You don't want that. No, no, no. Yes, those are the ones we want. 
He even goes out and says to the, to the men of the town, he simply says, I have two virgin daughters that are promised to these men. They're two virgin daughters. I will give them to you if you do not harm God's chosen. I said, no, we want those men. And the angels struck them blind on the spot. I can only imagine what that night was like. But the next morning, Lot and his family are leaving and they are given basically one command. This is what was laid on my heart. They were basically given one command to follow. One order. Verse number 17. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, this is the angel talking to them, flee for your lives, don't look back. Don't look back. Flee for your lives. So what does God do? God does exactly what he says. He sends fire from the skies. This isn't lightning. This is fire from the sky. And toasts the whole place. God said that he would not destroy this world by flood uh, ever again. But there will come a day when he will destroy it by fire. This world is not my home. Praise God, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Where's your treasures? Sodom and Gomorrah found out. Now watch. I don't know if Lot is behind his wife when they're leaving the city or in front of her. If he's behind her, let's just say he's behind her. Can you hear him saying, honey, just keep going, sweetheart. Just keep looking forward, babe. Don't look back, honey. Please don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. And as she's starting to turn, he can see that in front. No, honey, don't look back. Don't look back. Bam. The scripture says she's turned into a pillar of salt. Wow. You see, Lot either had to see his wife turn into that pillar of salt or walk and walk by her and not look back. Or he knew something happened to her and he didn't look back. All because she wouldn't let it go. Let it go. Someone said that you can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last chapter. Isn't that the truth? You see, I meet a lot of people that do that. They want to talk to you, but you know what they want to talk to you about? The yesteryears. Some good, some bad, but a lot of times, a lot of bad. They want to just tell you how they've been hurt. They just want to make sure that you know it. And then when you ask, how long has this been going on? You discover it's not been going on a week. Oh, it takes time. It's not going on a month. Oh, it takes time. Not been going on a year. Oh, it takes time. It's been going on for years and years and years in their life. Sad, isn't it? Perhaps you're there. It's still sad. 
And you would agree. That's sad. I want to let go, but I can't let go because it keeps coming up. There's a lot of files in my filing cabinet in my office. They'll probably dust that thick. I choose what file I pull out of that cabinet. I do. So my encouragement is the things of the past. Quit pulling that one file out because some of you have not only pulled the file out, you've laid it on your desk and you open it up and you've turned it to the mark and you've marked and highlighted that thing 15 times and you said, aha, and every day when you come to work or every day when you drive to work or every day when you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, it's just... And it's just boiling up inside of you because of that one thing that you have not letting go of. What good has that done you? Has it prospered you? Has it grown your faith? Aren't you glad that God doesn't have the hard time letting go of your sin when you ask Him for forgiveness? Amen? Then don't you think it's time for you to let go? First John chapter 1, look at this. If we claim to be without sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. Stop. Meaning what? We're all guilty. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans says. All of us, including your grandma and grandpa, believe it or not. Now watch. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what is that saying? He is more than willing to let it go. The question is, are you? Think about that. You mean all this time that I've been holding on to this, there was a way for me to let it go? Yep. Yep. Proverbs 3. Let's find out a couple more verses and we'll close out. I'm going to St. Louis. Proverbs 3. Hold on, Donna, I'm coming. All right. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, we know that verse, if you've been around church at all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Why does he tell us not to lean on our own understanding? See, if you read too fast, you can miss it. Why does he tell us not to lean on your own understanding? Because your own understanding is what got you into trouble in the first place. More than likely, right? Yeah. Anybody but me? Well, I think I can try this to get out of this. And you do that to get this, and then you got that problem. It's like me and plumbing. It don't work too good. All I got to do is get a... I tell Donna, hey, all I got to do is run down to Ace Hardware. It would be the one downtown. And then I would come back, and I would get a little rubber washer, and I'd put it on there, and it'll be fixed, and I will have no problem, and it won't leak anymore. That's all. Donna's saying, please, please, no, no, let it trip. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You know why she says that? Because she knows good and well what's going to happen. Hello, Gordon's Plumbing. Can I help you? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Watch this. And he will make your paths straight. What are those paths, you say? What are those paths? What are they? If I only knew which one, I would just go down that road. I would. Well, here's my answer to what those paths are. I don't know. But do you believe that God does is the question. In Romans chapter 8, 28, here we go. 
And we know that in all things, not some things, a few things, once in a while things, but in all things, God works for good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. You see, if you truly let God have all of you, you can turn anything loose. I'll say that again because somebody needs to hear it. If you truly let God have all of you, you can turn anything loose. If you don't let God have all of you, I will guarantee you, you will hold on to something. But if you let God have all of you, you can turn anything loose. Why? Because He has you covered. It's His promise. All things work together for good. The evidence of spiritual growth in your life is when you look back and you see the face of Jesus, I believe, smiling at you saying, keep going, you're doing all right, keep going, just keep going, just keep going, just keep moving forward, just keep going. I know you stumbled, but get it. come on, come on, come on, you're doing good. Here, let me wipe that off for you, come on. Keep on going. Yeah, I know. Here, take another drink. Go on. Keep on going. That's how I feel about what God does for us. When you really are growing spiritually, you should be able to feel that and see that in your life. It is not the person that hurts you you should see or the pain that you've been through. If you are looking back and only seeing the pain, the hurt that others have caused you or you have caused yourself perhaps, you have refused to let go. Some of you have done some terrible things in your life. All of us have done things wrong. But some of you have done some terrible things in your life and it has ate your lunch ever since. And it's eating your lunch today. And it's been whittling at you like a woodpecker at an old tree day after day after day. And God is saying, why? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Keep in mind, last words, God had to let go of his son so that we could have the opportunity to be with him for eternity. Don't you think it's time to let go of what's holding you back from what God has for you in the future? Come on. Let it go. Whatever your need is today, you already know what it is, don't you? So does God. We'd be glad to pray with you about that thing. And let it go. Just let it go. Come. Somebody will come with you today. We'll pray with you today. Receive Christ as your Savior today. If you need baptism today, garments are ready. We're here for you. Just let it go. Say, here's all my sin, Lord. Take it. Wash me white as snow. And his promises he will. But you have to let it go. He's willing. He paid for, the, paid for it all on the cross. All of it. Your sin. Every bit of it. No matter how ugly it is. He's paid for it all. All you got to do is be willing to let it go. And he'll say, wow, now we can do great things in my kingdom. Whatever your need is, you come together as we stand and sing.